morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Through Pierre, on another wild, whimsical, wise sort of Wednesday for Torture Report 479, overcoming the censorship industrial complex. Today, friends, we will be laying bare the unholy alliance between big tech, the deep state, uh, and their government handlers to uh, understand what can be done to overcome state-funded censorship. Now, at the onset, just to set the stage here, you know, in any given moment, there's more happening than we can possibly comprehend, right? Uh, there, there's so much stimulus coming in through all of our senses, and as such, our brain has a set of natural filters that really help us sift through all of these incoming signals in order to limit the input to a manageable level. And generally speaking... The mind kind of does all this on autopilot, right? It, it filters out the background noise, uh, literally and figuratively. And it, it creates generalizations. The mind creates distortions. The mind actually deletes information that it deems unnecessary to our survival. Now, these are well-known mental filters. And along with all-or-nothing thinking and a slew of other kind of automated responses, other involuntary modes of processing information, these do a great deal of harm to our ability to accurately perceive the nuance in any given situation. And what I want to emphasize here is that these, these mental mechanisms have been in place, they've been functioning since long before the dawn of uh, global connectivity, since before the current crop of modern technology started just relentlessly slinging an unprecedented amount of information and propaganda at our subconscious minds. And the culmination of this barrage, in conjunction with our biological limitations, it's rapidly and very significantly reshaping public perception in, in many, many different ways, myriad ways, big and small, which brings us to the censorship industrial complex. Now, the first link in the report today to the censorship industrial complex goes to uh, a, a government report. It's from the Judiciary Committee.house.gov website, and it's a 60-page page report that really gets into uh, what exactly is happening and how they're pulling it off. So it's not a question of if the government is colluding with private tech firms to censor free speech and political discourse. The question is, how are they doing this and to what ends and what exactly can be done about it? And of course, uh, as I always advocate, you know, the first step in solving a problem is to understand, or finding solutions is to understand the problem. So the first step in answering these questions is, of course, understanding what these shysters have been up to for years at this point. So along with the House Judiciary Report on the censorship industrial complex, uh, in, uh, that 68 pages of investigation and insights into this unholy state censorship apparatus, there are, are, are other notable and kind of hefty, meaty reports on the CIC, the censorship industrial complex, that I wanted to make available to you here. I put uh, well, six or eight of them in the report today from Brownstone, uh, the Westminster Declaration, how to dismantle the censorship industrial complex, uh, Taibbi, Matt Taibbi, uh, the Twitter files, Jonathan Turley, all these guys, big brains out there calling it out. And any one of the links in the report today, I think, would provide 
an excellent launching pad for further exploration of this kind of dark and seedy scheme to silence political dissent. But I want to help you visualize the complexity of this network. There's a very nefarious network of people working together. And to help you visualize it, I put a, a chart in the report today from the MIT PhD, the inventor of email, Dr. Shiva uh, Ayadari. And he, or Durai, I'm not sure how he pronounces his last name, but uh, he claims to be the first one to connect all the dots. And he has a really cool chart that shows all the faces of the people running these organizations and nonprofits. So, friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. Thetorchreport.com is where you will find this spiffy chart created by the MIT PhD Dr. Shiva. And I put that in there because I wanted to put some faces with the name the censorship industrial complex. You know, it's it's uh, there is a vast and concerted effort to eliminate dissenting perspectives, uh, to violate our First Amendment rights, to grossly manipulate public opinion. But, but it's being carried out by just, you know, a, a pretty small group of progressive operatives, some commie hacks, uh, both within the government and within uh, private organizations, corporations. And these people are in a position of power to wield an immense amount of influence over the public psyche. So the chart demonstrates how a few dozen radical activists can wield this enormous amount of influence over the information that Americans are getting fed, the spoon-fed drivel and the propaganda, the psyops, etc. And all of this translates into personal beliefs and behavioral change that directly impacts the outcome of our elections. And make no mistake, my friends, this is all about elections because it's through manipulating elections that they, they consolidate power and control. Now, interestingly enough, uh, matter of fact, last night I was at a meeting. It was a Meet the Candidates night down uh, on the west end of the county, the left end of the county down in White Salmon. And it was really fascinating to talk to some of the Democrat candidates and, and hear their perspective. And I was coming at it from this angle of there are, there are threats that are threatening us all to oppress us all that are much more important than the two-party bickering. That led to a lot of conversations. And so this morning, uh, as I was researching for today's report, I thought it was very interesting to see some leftists that are actually coming out in defense of free speech, uh, including this page, the Environmental Progress website, which uh, quite artistically overlays the, they have this, you know, their motto, their slogan is defund the police. And they've overlaid that over the symbolic communist rays of the rising sun uh, propaganda there. So I put a little screenshot in there for you and, and some, some uh, references to the underlying symbolism, the Marxist fist with the rays of the rising sun, the, the USSR rays of the rising sun, Mao with the rays of the rising sun, the communist propaganda with the raised fist and, and all of that, just to point out the connections there. And really what I want to emphasize, though, is, is that regardless of their slant from this Marxist communist environmental progress website, they're, they're these progressives, they're presenting a spot-on warning. They say, and I quote, warning, 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 governments around the world are targeting their citizens, period, end quote. Now, 
That's true, is it not? You know, governments around the world are targeting their citizens. Governments around the world, in cahoots with global tech firms, are actively targeting their citizens for censorship and for emotional manipulation. And in theory, this is a threat that could unite intellectually honest individuals from across the political spectrum. Is it not? Is this not something that we can agree on? And therefore, it's a pretty good issue to keep front and center. Uh, as, I, as I was noticing last night, it was something people were willing to talk about. So the threat of government censorship, which is happening in real time right this very moment all around the world, this is a topic of conversation. It's pretty easy to bring it up. Uh, you know, you say, hey, what, 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 what do you think about the government controlling what people think? Because that's what censorship is really all about, right? It's about controlling what people think. By controlling the flow of information, they control what people think, and then that in turn controls how people behave, including how people vote. So hypothetically speaking, it's not, it's not difficult to imagine a scenario wherein, you know, you just kind of imagine, let the imagination run wild, but imagine a scenario wherein the powers that be, or some powerful individual or some secretive group, they begin to intentionally censor unflattering information, or even potentially criminal information, in order just to save face. You know, some politicians want to save face, some big company wants to save face, they want to avoid public backlash, they want to avoid any potential lawsuits stemming from some level of immoral conduct, misconduct, you know? And I don't think uh, there's anyone that would deny that that happens on a regular basis. It's just kind of part of human nature. But, but by extension, if we take, for example, the cover-up the, of the origins of COVID as, as one example of state-coordinated censorship, I think it's easy to see how these desperate attempts to avoid public scrutiny have far-reaching ramifications, in, uh, in, including uh, whether people live or die, right? The, if they control the information and the accurate information is not available because it's being censored, because it reflects poorly upon the powers that be, that, that may end up in people losing their lives making decisions on less than accurate information. Now, the same thing could be said for the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up, which, uh, you know, included the knowingly false and misleading statements that were made by some 51 current and former intelligence officials. So there were some big wigs in on this false and misleading narrative that was getting pumped out 24-7 through all of the main media channels. And these two operations alone, the co uh, cover-up of the COVID origin, the cover-up of the Hunter Biden laptop story, these significantly impacted the outcome of the 2020 election, just to kind of put it lightly. But most disturbingly, friends, it proved that these illegal and unethical shenanigans to censor public information could be conducted in broad daylight. And in the drawn-out legal battles that ensue, the public conveniently forgets or loses sight of the fact that such psychological operations uh, just warp the very fabric of reality, right? In other words, by controlling human perception via censorship, Elite and powerful entities were able and are able to change the way that we see the world. And they continue to do this, again, in real time, right this minute, right this very day. So what is real? What, how do we know what's real? Who do we trust? What is the truth? You know? And 
because trust has been broken in our institutions, people are, are grasping and groping for accurate sources of information, which, of course, is why I like to say that the torch report is the truth you can trust. Not because I'm asking you to take my word for it, I'm just an ignorant peasant, but I do an insane amount of research, write the reports, record the podcast and the radio broadcast to give you the information that you need to develop your own informed perspective. Now, understanding that uh, the astute listening audience here at thetorchreport.com, you know, you're getting information that a lot of people aren't getting, but if, if you were to just kind of buy into the mainstream pop propaganda, the, the, the average citizen is being programmed to believe that the government alone can answer the questions. What is real? How do we know if it's real? Who do we trust? What is the truth? The average citizen is being conditioned to, to accept that the government alone can answer these questions. You know, the government trains and the, the government retains and the government determines who gets to be the experts. And in turn, these so-called experts get to tell everybody what to think. You know, it's uh, for all practical purposes, What's happening is the state is telling the public who to trust and what to believe. And if you think about that, that's, you know, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You know, when the government's telling the public who to trust and what to believe, we're on a very slippery slope. Every tyrant that has ever uh, reigned has always told the public who to trust and what to believe. Friends, it goes without saying, pardon me, I'm a little allergies today, but it goes without saying, uh, this controlling of who people trust and what they believe, it directly affects how people behave. And I believe that accounts for a great deal of the entirely unnatural and detrimental trends in human behavior that we're witnessing today, not the least of which is the mental health crises, uh, people, you know, dropping feces in the street and so is that, but along with uh, social distancing and masking and an uptake of these experimental injections, which... Uh, by the way, there was an article out today, the uh, uptake of experimental injections. That's soon to be self-administered from the comfort of your very own home, thanks to the FDA. Uh, just a side note there. But all of this is happening because the government is controlling who people trust and what people believe. And I believe, uh, along with you know, directing how, uh, directly impacting how people behave, it also accounts for some of the odd beliefs that people have you know, suddenly seem to have adopted these odd beliefs that have sprouted out of nowhere and seem to rapidly get disseminated through the relative circles of influence. You know, uh, odd beliefs crop are cropping up on the left and on the right, and and they rapidly disseminate through these little spheres of influence. So when when liberals adopt the mantra that free speech is a free-for-all hellscape, as just one example, or conservatives passively accept the need to stand with Ukraine and stand with Israel. They passively accept the need to further bankrupt our country, uh, uh, funding wars on multiple fronts. When, when that's happening, it's all happening without a second thought as to the logistics and the logical implications. There's no rational analysis. There's no critical thinking involved because people on the left and right are being manipulated. So I say these odd beliefs are odd beliefs because without the carefully curated narrative, without the selective censorship and the state-funded propaganda, it seems very unlikely to me that any reasonable, per per reasonable person would have have these perspectives. Nobody's going to think that free speech is a free-for-all hellscape. Nobody's going to think that we need to bankrupt our country fighting wars on multiple fronts just for the hell of it. You know, 
I don't think people would have these perspectives or hold these convictions without the public manipulation. You know, if you think about it, uh, if it wasn't for the constant barrage of news and narrative, why would any American ever really have a clue or even a care about what's happening in Eastern Europe? Right? There's conflicts in Eastern Europe. They've been playing out over and over again for decades. Just like what's happening in the Middle East right now. It's conflicts that have been playing out over and over again for decades or centuries even. And the truth is, these conflicts are common. They happen all around the world all the time. But as Americans, we are not always hypersensitized to these conflicts the way that we're being hypersensitized to them now. And we need to be asking, what are the implications of this uh, emotional manipulation, of this hypersensitization to these conflicts in far-off lands. Friends, it's, it's emotional n- manipulation just kind of, you know, straight up and served neatly. It's, it's, uh, I think it's right out there in front of God and everybody for everyone to see. And since we can only process so much about what's going on in the world, and, you know, without the narrative, we wouldn't be processing this stuff, but since we can only process so much... And since our benevolent dictators have taken it upon themselves to determine what we should be thinking about, they can basically just kind of, you know, pluck our heartstrings like a cheap guitar, you know, strung him, uh, uh, strumming my pain with his fingers. <laughs> oh, I won't even try to sing today, friends, but uh, ultimately by plucking the heartstrings, if they can evoke any sense of sympathy or any sense of solidarity, that'll do. You know, that's all they need. A little sympathy, a little solidarity. And once they've set those emotional hooks, then they can reel us into supporting their agenda. And again, this applies to both left and right uh, political holding pens, the Republican, the Democrat Party, etc. So typically when they reel us into supporting their agenda, uh, that, that support comes in the form of hiding behind this smug sense of moral superiority in order to justify irrational thinking, to justify irresponsible spending, to justify other reckless engagements all around the world and, and this all, all this geopolitical chaos. And again, we hide behind the sense of, oh, we have to do it. It's the right thing to do. It makes us good humans to stand in solidarity or declare that free speech is a free-for-all hellscape. You know, again, friends, the pattern plays out time and time again, both on the left and the right. But here's the good news, okay? We can, in fact, break this pattern with the power of intention. We can break this pattern of deception through the power of intention. Friends, we can cultivate curiosity. When we we cultivate curiosity... We can do it within ourselves, and we can cultivate curiosity within our communities. And the method is really simple, right? We just have to learn to ask compelling questions. I like to refer to this as the, uh, as the tool of intelligent inquiry, by the way. I've actually written about that quite a bit. Uh, but when we ask the right questions, we can very skillfully direct our awareness if we're, if we're cultivating our own curiosity, and or we can ask the right questions to, to uh, very skillfully direct the awareness of other people toward productive ends. And the most productive ends, the most productive outcome generally produces, when we ask the right question to stimulate curiosity, it produces this little like, aha moment, right? You can see it in someone's expression if, if you're having a face-to-face. And once a person's perspective expands to include previously unprocessed information, it's like a tickle to the brain. It's good. 
And it, it feels good to learn new things. It can be a little uncomfortable sometimes, but when you hear people say, wow, I never knew that, you know, I never thought about that like like that before, you know, I, I hadn't looked at it from that angle. You know, that wasn't really something that was on my radar. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm, I'm going to have to chew on that. I need to process that one a little bit more, you know. These are all good outcomes, good productive outcomes of a stimulating conversation. It opens the heart. It opens the mind. It breaks down walls. It builds common ground, okay? what You, you ask a question. What do you think about the government controlling what you eat uh, how much water and electricity you get to use, or even what you're allowed to think and say out loud. What do you think about that? You know, what do you think about state-sponsored emotional manipulation of the public? Tell me, please. I'd love to know. Hey, by the way, have you heard about those fascinating little-known facts that are found over at thetorchreport.com? Hey, would you agree that censorship is a threat to us all. Friends, tell me. Tell me more. Tell me now. I'd love to know what you think. And just like that, we've opened that door to conversation. Friends, to cultivate curiosity, we must learn to ask questions and listen intently. This opens the door to dialogue. It opens an ex uh, opens up an exchange of ideas. And so while the tech companies can censor us online, they cannot stop us from gathering and meeting face-to-face. -face. They cannot stop us from connecting at the heart level. Friends, they cannot stop us from being human. And this is how we can beat the machines. Empathy unlocks the answers. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild, whimsical, wise sort of Wednesday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.